All right, everybody. We're on episode two of the Rivian Report podcast. Excited to be with you guys. Anyone who's tuned in and listened to episode one, you guys are early listeners and we appreciate you all. We have a few things on the docket today. Excited to talk about. First off, we didn't address, and some people pointed this out to us, we didn't address in episode one why you guys should even listen to us. You know, we spoke a little bit about ourselves, but not really the reason uh, we may have uh, an opinion that's worth listening to. So first off, I'll just say that uh, early on when it wasn't cool to like Tesla or EVs in general, we were invested in Tesla. Uh, I think I started investing in Tesla around 2016 to 2017 timeframe uh, and invested heavily. I was all in pretty much at that point uh, with my stock portfolios. I had other businesses, of course. And it was not the popular opinion. Every day on CNBC, on traditional media, everybody was really clowning on Tesla, saying that they're going to go out of business, not understanding their business model, not understanding what they were building, uh, including legacy OEM, just didn't understand like the way they were operating. Uh, it was totally, it was just totally different. It was more like a tech startup than it was a car legacy company. Uh, and to be able to recognize that early on before it was fashionable, while they were still a $20 billion to $30 billion company versus being a, you know, gigantic, you know, I think there may be $800 billion today, uh, is one thing. And we didn't just, you know, I still own some Tesla now, but I sold a large position when they first hit a trillion dollars. So, you know, I it's not just, oh, I got in, I made a couple bucks and jumped out. We rode them into multi-million dollar investments, which, uh, you know, not everyone would have stayed in that long, uh, but we also knew when to get out, and we knew there were still invested in them, uh, not with as big of a stake. I'm not all in on Tesla anymore, and I have even a larger stake in Rivian than I have Tesla today. Uh, but to get a little idea of our journey uh, and why we think this is a critical time for Rivian, uh, and we've done it before, and it doesn't mean we're going to succeed again. This isn't financial advice. We're not financial advisors, but we are telling you our opinions. It worked for us in the past. We see things similar to that we saw back then for Tesla that we don't see. It's not just any EV startup that we'd see this in. We don't see it in Lucid. We don't see it in, you can even look back Lordstown Motors before they went, uh, before they, I think, filed for bankruptcy. Uh, the CEO of SoFi, a multi-billion dollar financial firm, which by the way, I invested in uh, privately before they went public. And I you know, got my shares when they went public. Uh, their CEO even reached out on Twitter and asked me that he wanted to invest in uh, in Lordstown Motors. And I publicly on Twitter wrote to him and said, don't invest in them, that they're going to go under. And that was long before they went under. And they went under. So that's a little bit of a reason why you might want to uh, at least give us the benefit of the doubt to hearing us out, of course, make your own opinions. Uh, so that that's part of it. Dan, anything to add? Yeah, um, I think... Alex, you uh, you you went when did you get your Model S, your original little boy? I had the Model S in 2016, uh, 2015 to twenty sixteen time. Before Model Three was shipping, right? Before Model Three was was shipping a hundred percent. Yeah, so that's 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 an early adopter. Um, clearly, uh, clearly you had an inkling that it was going to be something cool, um, and so you you naturally gravitated towards it. Uh, something else that I thought would be worth mentioning, just to show you how on top of things that uh, Alex is and how on top of things we are uh, when it comes to EVs, 
Alex is Alex got one of the first uh, Cybertruck configuration indications. So he's yep. literally hit, we calculated that he was the 300 second person or 300 and something person to order a Cybertruck. Uh, to give you an idea, I ordered uh, that was during the Cybertruck unveiling event uh, that Alex placed the order. I ordered after the event, and I'm like 200,000 in line. So that's it's considerably, uh, considerably. Uh, yeah, and just to quicker. And just to point out on that Cybertruck, uh, I am going to take delivery of it. Uh, I, you know, doesn't have any effect on what I feel about Rivian. Uh, you can, I don't believe in some people think if you love Tesla, you can't love any other EV company, or if you love Rivian, you have to hate Tesla. It's kind of nonsense. Uh, I huge fan of Rivian. I am excited to own a Rivian. I'll probably be buying the R2 when that comes out, uh, most likely. And, uh, but in the meantime, I did reserve years ago, the Cybertruck. I was like the 392nd person, I think, when we calculated based on reservation number to ever order it. Uh, and because of that, I did get asked to get a founders, uh, the foundation series, uh, which I think is only the first thousand that they're doing. You know, it's not, they haven't confirmed that, but that's what the kind of numbers that people are saying. Uh, they're no longer offering foundation series. So right now there are people who were asked to get a foundation series and said, let me think about it over the weekend, last weekend. And by the time it, yeah, on Sunday or Monday when they went in and said, you know what, I'm going to do it. It was showing an error page and they couldn't do it anymore. So the sound, the foundation series is already fully, con, uh, you know, allocated, and I will be getting one of them. Uh, I did confirm it. I gave them the thousand bucks, and uh, I put in my information. So they do say delivery will be any time between January and March. So we'll see uh, if they, if it comes sooner, that would be cool. Get it before the end of the year. If it doesn't, uh, no big deal. But it is, uh, is just to show that we are on top of things. We're we're following the news. We're in early. Uh, and yeah, and we have a lot to talk about though, about Rivian. Uh, some obviously is going to connect with Tesla because they're both doing things very similar. And one of those things that we wanted to talk about, is actually a holiday update, which we're really curious if Rivian's going to do it or not. We know last year they didn't do a Christmas holiday fun update on their vehicles and they have the ability to do over the air updates like Tesla does. They have the software. This is some people, you know, want to say, as investors, oh, we're not going to be critical or things like that, as someone mentioned on, on Reddit. Uh, we are going to be critical about things we think they should do and we things that they aren't doing right. And there's two things during this episode that we're actually going to mention that I think I'm going to be pretty critical on. One is going to be this. Uh, I think it's such a big like brand spirit motivator when you do things like holiday updates. Uh, I'm sure it takes a ton of resources. I'm sure there's a lot on their plate that they want to put out for their customers uh, and if it was easy for them to just do these updates, I'm sure they would do it. Uh, but I do think it should be a priority of some sort because it's something that the entire community talks about. It's something that uh, I think adds so much intangible value. So we know Tesla does those Christmas updates and things that, you know, holiday updates. I want to see Rivian do it. We know Rivian did the Halloween update. They went all out, you know, two years ago. And then this past Halloween, they but the update again with some changes. I thought it was awesome. People were loving it. A lot of social media spread about it. What, what was in that update, you know? So they they did, uh, the interior was glowing green with their, because they have LED strips, which another critical point I'll say, you know, and I'm sure it's on their list. Uh, their interior lighting, since it's LED strips, can be different colors. 
but currently you can't control it. So it is just always like ambient lighting. Uh, but we found out when they first did Halloween, let's say two Halloweens ago, they made it orange. Uh, so the whole cabin was like lighting up orange. It was really cool. That's just one of a few things, you know, it's different, different noise when you lock the car, or unlock it, like Halloween type of noise. Uh, things on the screen were looking like, you know, uh, zombies, Spooky. pumpkins were like rolling off. There, there's a lot of really cool things that were going on. Um, we know that they did green lighting, ambient lighting this Halloween. Uh, but I think they should. I think they should be giving people the ability to do any light they want in their car since the car can do it anyways. That's all just a software uh, thing that they can plug in to their settings. Uh, and I, I'm sure it's a lot more work than just plug it in, you know, but, uh, and I'm sure they're working on it. I would, I would assume, but I think that's a huge, uh, make people happy, give people a little more, you know, personal expression in their cars of what kind of ambient lighting color they want. Uh, and I'm excited to see if they do that. I'm excited to see if this Christmas holiday, they drop a holiday update that nobody knows about. I mean, that would be awesome. And we'll find out soon. It's coming up next week. Uh, this, you know, coming, yeah, next week, pretty much. So already the 21st. So, yeah. well, uh, the question is, will they, not should they, because I think most people would agree that they should, uh, for sure. like you said, it's just good for the spirit of the brand and people love that. Uh, and, and anything that they can do to, you know, keep people engaged and excited, they should. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully that they will. Hopefully we'll be the pleasant big surprise by that. You know, jingle, jingle, and you, yeah, and, and anything like that. We're going to be critical here on. I'm going to say something that I'm a little critical on Tesla for, and it also has to do with being critical to on Rivian that has to do with software, which is uh, so recent news Tesla is hiding the Disney Plus app. So they're hiding the Disney Plus app from the theater section. Now it's most people don't know this, but you, if you just went to the website disneyplus.com on their web browser, you'd be able to get the app back on the theater if you've never used it. Now, if you've used it in the past, it's supposed to still be there. That's at least what I'm reading. I should test it on my Tesla, but uh, it's just coming to me now. The As far as um, do I, he's doing this supposedly, it's retribution, because he owns, Elon owns X, and uh, you know, Disney stopped advertising for a period of time. I, I don't know. I've, I've heard that they've come back in some way or form, but not for everything, only for certain things. Um, that said, he's obviously, you know, wanted to show them. He made his personal comments uh, on stage not too long ago about to Bob Iger. And uh, now we see Disney Plus just being like kind of pulled off of their theater app. I think that's kind of the wrong move, you know, it's a personal vendetta that Elon's having that I don't agree with. I think Elon's awesome, but I think certain things he does is not right. Um, I think that there's a lot of moms out there with kids. There's a lot of adults that like, you know, Marvel and different things. I'm a Marvel fan, as you can see. Um, and when, you know, you're just basically doing something that only hurts your customers. If a customer doesn't want to watch Disney Plus, they're not going to watch it. But if they want to, and you gave it to them, and then you're taking it away or making it an extra step to find it now, like a secret step, you got to go to the browser, you got to write this to, for it to be unhidden. Uh, it's just something your customer is not going to be happy about. So I think that's wrong. Now, when it comes to Rivian, I've been pretty uh, vocal that they need to release streaming services on their platform, on their software stack. Now, I don't know, you know, if the, it's just on them, if they need these other guys to uh, Netflix, you know, Hulu, Disney Plus, whatever, to work with them, or if they can port it themselves some way. I'm not sure the the specifics when it comes to that. 
but it should be, you know, the way I look at it is you can buy a $50 Amazon tablet. I said this kind of in the past. And it's going to come with the Google Play Store. And by having the Google Play Store, you can watch Netflix on it. The fact that you can buy an $100,000 Mercedes and you can't watch Netflix on it in today's, in 2023, going into 2024 is ridiculous to me. And it's one of the things that Rivian can solve, that Tesla has solved through software because their screen has over-the-air updates, because they can create uh, applications on there, they can work with app developers. There's a lot that can come. Now, of course, Tesla in its early days didn't have a theater app when they just were the Model S and Model X, uh, only once they had a large enough volume that it probably made sense for them to maybe use those resources. Or maybe it's, like I said, maybe it's Netflix has to agree and maybe they have to do some development uh, adjustments to put it on Tesla's or on Rivian's in this case, which uh, if that's the case, maybe you need to hit a certain volume to convince them. Who knows? You know, I don't know the details, but I do think uh, it is a criticism that Rivian should work on. And I uh, I hope that, and I think for sure at some point or another, they will because down they the road. Well, yeah, at some point they will. They're they're showing that, you know, the trajectory is to to be entertained through software, to have, you know, be productive, be entertained, uh, and have a great experience. So I think that will come. Uh, well, I just wanted to I wanted to touch on uh, something that you just mentioned was the taking away of a of a feature for Disney Plus, uh, for example. Uh, it's not the first time Tesla, you know, owners had something and then got it removed. And I just think that's a bad look all around. Better not to ever have it. Um, the the ultrasonics no. okay well ultrasonics sure but that's kind of that's even the, a worse situation oh maybe that's yeah. horrendous but the uh the well, what i'm thinking of is the horn replacement that was one thing uh you could at some point replace the sound of your horn uh to be whatever noise a donkey or whatever uh and they removed that and they also removed, I'm, I'm trying to think what it was. I was hoping that when I said this, it would remind you. The ultrasonics is probably what the big thing that I was thinking of, uh, even though that was kind of a hardware thing with your models. Yeah, but even that, I mean, it's just like, you know, you remove those and all of a sudden you're parking, like they, they said, oh, we're going to do this with cameras only. And the distance between your car and the wall uh, where they measure it out on the screen for you in inches, like wasn't always accurate at all. At all. And that's like extremely scary because you could just, you know, did if you're your, did, your, it, um, did your 2021 Model S have ultrasonic sensors or not? Uh, I believe mine did before they were removed. Before I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to say this for sure, but I feel it wasn't removed on the S and X and it was removed just on the three and Y at first. Maybe they ended mm. up removing it on all of them. We, we could look back at that. Um, but, but it's definitely not a good look when cost cutting gets that, you know, where you're saying, Hey, it, once it's solved, like truly solved with cameras only, then sure. It's not a big, then do it, then remove the but until, you know, you have the cameras there, you have the software, solve it with cameras where it's perfect, then remove the ultrasonic sensors. Don't say we'll work through it and customers will have to deal with it. That that's not a good look. And I think that's something that Rivian does so well is, uh, they put the the extra, not just, you know, forget about sensors more so because that's a different topic, uh, hardware wise. They're not in it saying, can we make the car as cheap as possible to make as much money? Of course, they have to eventually make sure they're making profit margin and, and be a, a profitable business. 
Uh, but they are making the best car they can make. They're putting incredible, you know, the, the interior feel, feels incredible. I've been in the Rivian, I've been in the Tesla, and I prefer the Rivian's interior over a Tesla's interior for sure. It feels like you're you're in a luxury car that's really, really nicely made, like kind of a Range Rover-esque, uh, where Tesla has that such a minimal look, which is awesome and modern, but it just, it lacks luxury because you can tell that they are doing things where they've even had to come like they've had to upgrade certain interior parts because they knew it wasn't being done right like for a while my model y my first model y that i got uh has a rubber area where the phones charge and it became more of like you know a suede kind of uh altera you know feeling you know it's uh fake leather or whatever version but it feels nice now on, on newer ones first didn't feel like you know you're spending sixty seventy thousand dollars on the the higher trims of that car and you're getting that in materials. Yeah, and uh, Rivian does not lack there. Rivian's materials, I think, feel incredible. Uh, I think they do a really great job with that. Agreed. Yeah, for sure. So uh, the next thing I think we should talk about is short interest. So obviously on this channel, we are going to talk about the cars. We're going to talk about our opinions. We're going to talk about news. But of course, uh, as investors, we also want investors to be aware of things, and we're going to talk about the stock. So this this channel will this podcast will be uh, for investors and just drivers to know about the company, know about everything. We'll try to target uh, and hit all aspects. Investors and enthusiasts, a hundred percent. So not first financial that, advice. Not financial advice, of course. So their short interest is a reason, not the reason we're invested, but a reason that helps know uh that's just that's just an additional benefit as an investor to know that all these shares are going to have to be bought back so i started realizing you know they had a high short interest when i was buying in a few months ago and uh their short interest slowly rised for example if i just give you some random dates i'm looking at uh in april of 2023 there was 68 million shares short that rose a month later to around 77 million shares short then you know you fast forward to June, 85 million shares short. You, excuse me, you fast forward to October, uh, we had 99 million shares short. Uh, two weeks after that, 105 million shares short. That is on October 31st, because every two weeks they put out a report. Uh, you can see the short interest gets uh, put online. So on October 31st, 105.188 million shares short. That was, I believe, the peak it was the peak uh, of short interest, and it has slowly come down over the next two reports. So over the next month, it went from 105 to 103 million, so just a two million shares uh, bought up. And we saw at this was happening as the stock is slowly coming up, but not really the the large increase that we had very recently. Then on November 30th, went from 103.6 to 101.9, so basically 102 million mm -hmm. shares. Yeah. Now that's the most recent number. Over 100 million shares short, just to be clear, is about 15% of the float. So it's a huge amount of shares short. 15% of the stock that is being traded is right now sold by people who didn't own the stock. They The only way to exit yeah, those positions is to buy those shares back. And uh, if, anything, if anyone knows about you know how it works with when you're buying back stock in such large quantities 15% of a company it's not that doesn't equate to 15% move up it equates to a much larger percent move up in itself uh simply because of a domino effect you have these big whales that are share that are short that can handle 
more pressure, but then you have small guys who shorted and they can't handle the pressure. So for the small guy who shorted when the stock was 15 bucks a share, when it hits $20 a share and he's down $5 a share on his $15, that's 33%. Uh, he can't handle that. He's, you know, he was borrowing money maybe. Now he's getting margin called. He has to now uh, buy the stock back to cover his margin call. And him buying mm -hmm. shares adds to the more, more buys over sells, which pushes the stock a little higher. And then the, the bull who could have handled, let's say uh, the bear could have handled a $20 point, but couldn't handle a $22 point. As it gets to that point, he and that domino effect keep pushing it, pushing it further and further, which is a short squeeze. Uh, and it squeezes the stock up. And now we saw with Tesla a massive short squeeze back in the day, uh, like insane, probably I mean, you could look at it, we could look into it, but one of the biggest, uh, obviously, you know, not not GameStop level or whatever, but it was a huge, huge short squeeze. Uh, and when you're an investor for the long run and you're not borrowing on margin and things like that, and you can wait it out, these these short, large short positions are kind of a blessing because they artificially keep the stock cheap. So you're able to buy stock at a price that it shouldn't be simply because of people who are selling stock they don't own. And that allows you to build over time a portfolio, uh, I mean, a, a larger position. And it also uh, will help down the road with eventually when they have to buy it back at some point or another, they will. Uh, and you have unlimited time as an investor, as long as you believe in the company, you're not buying it because you're waiting for a short squeeze, you're buying it because you believe in the company, you believe it's cheaper than they will eventually be based on the business you think that, that you can model out that they'll be able to do. Uh, and they have put metrics out. I mean, for anyone who doesn't know or doesn't listen to the entire earnings reports and things and just sees these media reports that say, for example, oh, you know, they lose $30,000 a car. They used to lose $200,000 a car. You know, it is coming down. Really? Eventually it will be profitable. And if you don't know their metrics, uh, you should know that management has made guidances to what the eventual uh, long-term targets are, which are long-term 25%. Uh, gross margins on the cars and the vehicles. That doesn't include possible down the road software margins that they can make. You know, that's 25% gross margins on the vehicles, uh, high teens on uh, on net income, basically on the EBITDA. So we, we know their business is growing like crazy on the revenue side. Uh, and it will take R2 to get to those targets, but we know R2 is coming. Uh, and if you're in it for the long run, uh, I, I see a lot of value personally, and that is why obviously I'm invested. Uh, and and it's it's fun to watch things unfold. I mean, what do you think of the short interest? Yeah, I mean, definitely. We love a good short squeeze. We're both invested. I was going to say, do you want to go into your position? Uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll go into some of my position now, and then and then we'll get into a couple little things more about Rivian and what they're doing and what we want to see with uh, a few little topics, but. To get an idea, just to be transparent, uh, across my accounts, because I have a few different accounts, I have around, I added up 95,000 shares. Uh, that number will change. So don't hold it that, you know, oh, he sold or he has more or whatever, you know, he bought. Uh, it changes because I do different strategies. I am sometimes selling puts that I have to buy the shares. I'm sometimes selling calls that I end up losing the shares, you know. But as of right now, I have about 95,000 shares across multiple accounts. On... Uh, my Robinhood specifically, which is where I wanted to talk and and give you guys an idea of what I'm what one of my strategies I'm doing right now. Uh, that account has thirty thousand shares in it. From those thirty thousand shares, I'm running two positions on them. I am currently uh, selling calls for February, so two months out. 
Uh, and I'll post it up on the video form of this so you can see what those calls look like. So it's 30,000 sh shares with 300 calls sold against them. So I could lose those shares at $30 a share strike price. Now, what that basically means is that if the stock goes from today being around, you know, I think it's just under $24, like $23 and change or something. If it gets to $30 by uh, the, if it gets to $30 by February, uh, let's see when it expires, February 16th. So it's a two months. I, I initiated this trade on December 15th. So my goal was it's a two month trade. I'm super bullish on the stock. If it gets to 30 bucks, I have to sell it. Do I want to? No. But will I be fine doing that for these 30,000 shares? I would be fine doing that because it would be a huge increase uh, from when I, uh, from that point to for just a two month you know, period of time. So I get uh, in advance, I got 75 cents. Currently, they trade for 95 cents. So if someone did this today, they'd get 95 cents because the stock has come up since December 15th. Uh, what it ultimately means is by agreeing to, to sell it at 30 bucks to someone, I got today 75 cents on every single one of my shares. So it lowered my cost basis, 75 cents. Uh, it gave me that cash immediately. If if you take, uh, what's it called? The 30,000 shares, and you basically say 75 cents on 30,000 shares, that's $22,500. So they paid me $22,500. If the stock's third, less than $30, 30 bucks or less, there I just keep their 22,500 and this contract disappears. They don't take my shares. I still have my shares. So I get to make basically 11,250 bucks for each month for the next two months. Uh, be, that's letting my money work for me, right? And uh, if it is over 30, the the only downside to this, see, people can say, oh, well, what if the stock, you know, you have unlimited losses, right? If the stock goes to $5, you lose all that money on the shares. Well, I didn't buy the shares to do this trade. I was going to hold the shares anyways. I want to hold the shares. I just don't think they're going to hit 30. I think they're going to hit 30 plus over time for sure. I just didn't think they're going to hit 30 within 60 days. That's the key differentiator. And because of that, I want to take someone's $22,500. So that's what I'm doing. Um, and at the same time, I said, if I'm wrong and this stock, you know, it, it was like $22 or so when I initiated this trade, I said, if the stock comes down, I really am bullish. I do believe in them. I'd be willing to buy more shares. I want more shares under $20 a share. I have a lot, but I'd, I'd buy more. Um, so I sold puts at $20 for the same date, February uh, 16th, two months out. Did these on December 15th, and they gave me a dollar and 12 cents to sell $20 puts. And what that basically says is if the stock gets to $20 or less, I have to buy it. I got to buy it for 20 cents. But they give me a dollar and 12 cents. So I'm really getting it for $18 and 88 cents. I'm and the stock was currently like $22. Happy to buy it within two months for $18 and 88 cents. I could be sitting here in two months, we could be on episode, you know, 20. And the stock could be $13 and everyone says, oh, he was so Did stupid. I'm going to be holding it. I'm not selling it. It's fine. I'm not worried about it. I'll hold it until it's the right time. I, I, I want to build my position. I'm okay building my position. But if it stays between, and I, I did 150, just to be clear, uh, contracts sold. So 150 of them are sold, uh, which means I'd be buying 15,000 more shares, which I'm fine doing. So if the stock stays between 20 and $30, doesn't matter if it's 21, doesn't matter if it's 29.50. Between those, I'm going to get basically 16 to 17 grand on the puts 
and uh, 22,000 or so, 500 on the calls. So I'm going to get close to 40 grand. Call it 40 grand. In two Uh, months. In two months, which means I'm making $20,000 a month. If the stock is up or down, doesn't matter, just within $20 to $30. And then besides that, I'm going to hold my shares for the long run. So yeah. that that's my real, current real position. Quick, real quick, important to note that uh, the, on, the, on, the, on the call side, who sold the calls, uh, his best hit, you know, it, 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 assuming the calls get uh, taken, assuming the shares get taken from him, He's going to get paid thirty dollars a share. The stock is currently twenty three dollars. We get paid. So, in worst case scenario here, essentially, is that they take his stock. He gets paid thirty, you know, seven dollars more than what the shares are worth today. Plus, he already got paid the twenty two thousand for the whole position, which is just unbelievable. It's kind of like a, it's a, a win win. Yeah, I mean, I, I only you know, miss really out really, on potential yeah, gains. Right. If it blasts through, if, if, you know, tomorrow they're like, oh, surprise, we've been developing R2 this whole time and it's for sale today. You can order it right now. Obviously, the stock would, would go crazy. That's not going to happen. Uh, but the stock would go crazy. It would probably blast through that $30, you know, uh, strike and you, you'd lose your shares and you'd have to purchase the stock at whatever it would be at, $45, $50. Exactly. So worse, you know, not worst case, right? Because you, you could, company could go bankrupt yeah. or whatever, mm-hmm. hypothetical. But uh, the case where I miss out is if the stock blasts through before, you know, in February, before February 16th, blasts through $30. And let's say it's $60 a share. Well, okay, I sold some at 30. I mean, I'm not going to be, you know, I can cry to the bank with the money they paid me. I made a ton mm-hmm. of money doing it. And to be clear, I'm not doing this to all my shares. Like I said, I have, you know, around 95,000 shares. I'm doing this with 30,000 of them uh, on one account specifically. On the other accounts, I'm not doing this. So it's just something I'm doing uh, to take advantage, to have my money work for me on on this position. And uh, and ideally, I mean, it'd be really awesome to lower your cost basis by, you know, over a dollar on a com- on a stock that's $22, $23 every two months. I mean, if yeah, I could, if I could regularly, if the stock's twenty eight dollars, right at the end of this, I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'll, I'll sell more calls again for two months later, but not at thirty. Now it's twenty eight. You know, maybe I'll be selling thirty eight dollar calls for a month or two out months out, uh, because I do, I am bullish on it. I do want to uh, keep the shares. I'm not trying to lose them, uh, but there's a lot of money to be made with your money. So that that that's my current position. What I am doing with it, um, and yeah, just being fully transparent on that. Yeah, and I, I, I'm I'm doing something similar. I have um, I have calls sold for uh, I, I I own the shares. I don't own nearly as much as Alex does. I kind of got uh, kind of have been trying to time the time it my uh, my larger purchase. But the point is, I am you know running a similar strategy where I sold calls at minor further out, minor for January of 2025. Uh, expiration with a strike price of $40. So uh, I didn't want to risk my shares getting taken from me for less than that. So it's like, all right, if the stock goes up like crazy within this next year, I'm at least going to double my money. And uh, I got $2 a share for that right now, which is pretty great. Yeah, definitely. So that's another way to, to get more now. Uh, also by going further out, so he's going 2025, by going further out, he's able to get a higher premium today, 
which lowers his cost basis significantly because uh, $2, for example, on a $20 share is 10% of your shares. You're getting, you know, you're lowering your cost basis by, you're getting that immediately 10%. And then you're also only agreeing to sell it, uh, you know, at 40, if you got it at 20, it's double your money, right? So uh, it, it's a, it's a position that, you know, with companies that are, that can move so much like Rivian uh, that are volatile, they're high growth companies, the options market is intense. Uh, there's huge premiums out there. Uh, people make a fortune, you know, buying calls and riding them up. But but the thing is, because it could explode this stock, uh, you know, you're able to take advantage of that premium as as someone with shares and be able to make money. You just have to know uh, you you may not experience the massive boom if it happens because no one can perfectly time the market anyone who says they can time the market is wrong you know mm-hmm. i i'm not sitting here saying hey my strategy is the best it's going to work every time this or that i i don't care if it works or not to be honest i i really don't only simply for if it's down i'll have i'll buy, i'll be buying more shares i'll be happy if it's in the middle i've made money and i still have the position i have i'm happy and if it's up and it passes thirty dollars. I have a ton of shares. I'm happy that are not in in this strategy. And all right, so a portion of it I sold, but I still have a ton of shares, more than enough that I'd be happy to hold for the for forever and be extremely extremely happy with. So no matter the scenario, that's what I always think is the best thing to do: is put yourself in a place where if the stock goes down, if the stock stays the same, or the stock goes up, which it's going to be one of those three, that you'll be okay with it, and you have you know what you'll do in each one of those cases. That's at least what I, what I think, what I'm doing. Now, we only have a couple minutes left for this podcast. Um, I'm going to end it with one thing that I, I think Rivian should do as well. Uh, and that is, uh, I, we talked last episode about the North American charging standard, how Rivian is going to be going to it, how it's one of the reasons we didn't get uh, Rivians over Teslas is we want access to the supercharger network. We know it's coming in 2024. What I think Rivian should do with their Rivian Adventure Network, and I've written this on Twitter, uh, tagged RJ Scringe, their CEO, and I hope he sees it, is the R2 will be a global platform. It will be in Europe. I hope that he starts the RAN network, the Rivian Adventure Network, in Europe as soon as possible with CCS, since they're already making it with CCS. And in Europe, the CCS network is the standard. Even Teslas have CCS there. If he starts it in Europe early on, the rest of the cars there, including Teslas that are not Rivian since they're not sold yet, can use the Rivian network. By seeing it's a successful, reliable network in Europe, when the R2 launches there, their association with the Rivian brand will be that of quality, that of reliability. It will enhance their brand, and R2 users will have access to that network as well right when it launches right away. It's They can also make money on the network from all the Teslas that are in Europe right away huge benefit to starting that as soon as possible. I think they should. And when it comes to the States, even though they got to wait for to use the supercharger network once Tesla's ready for them to with the adapter, which will probably be in the middle of 2024, there's no reason I think that they shouldn't fast track putting the NACS uh, port on R1s and making the Rivian Adventure network with NACS so that their R1s can charge on their own network immediately with NACS since it's heading that way anyways. And very shortly soon, it'll be able, you already can get a, a CCS adapter for NACS. So you'll be able to do that for the third party chargers. Uh, and very soon they'll be able to use the Tesla supercharger network. I think they should immediately implement it. They shouldn't be waiting till 2025 or 2026 to, to change those ports. If they're able to implement it, we know they're going to have a shutdown 
in their factory. Uh, in this quarter, a short one, but a big one uh, in Q2 of 2024. Uh, I believe it's Q2. I have to double check. It's either Q1 or Q2. I think Q2. Uh, when they do that shutdown in Q2 2024, they should implement this. They should figure a way. It's already being shut down. Figure a way to do it. That's my advice. That's what I think. I completely agree. I think you should buy as many shares as you have to buy in order to be, uh, uh, be able to, to, to get a vote here. Um, to, to talk to RJ direct. So uh, big thing you said, obviously, in Europe, um, it would make sense to, for, for them to fast track it because it gets uh, brand awareness off the bat before they're even launching the, the, the global car. Um, they can potentially make money on it because all the cars, like you said, in Europe are using the CCL charger already. Uh, it just makes, it just seems like it makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, not only that, they should, um, they should, in the U.S., convert their, obviously, their vehicles to uh, to NICS, which we know they're already going to do, but the uh, RAN network, similarly, should be uh, converted to NACS or at least compatible with Teslas and other, you know, EVs, so they can make money in the meantime. It just helps them helps them um, accelerate the the growth of that network. Makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I definitely think so. So, uh, yeah, let's wrap it up here. Thank you so much. If you have made it to the end, please like this on uh, any of the channels you're able to like it on. If you're watching on YouTube and watching the video format. Uh, subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Subscribe uh, to our put notifications on to get our episodes. We're going to be doing doing episodes regularly. So yes, please uh, please like, subscribe, leave a comment. Let us know your experience with Rivian, and we are so happy that you were able to listen and hopefully enjoyed our podcast. Thanks, guys.